Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel Podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. This week's chapel speaker was Dr. Michelle Kim. Dr. Kim is Associate Professor of Engineering at John Brown University. Good morning, JVU. It's so good to be here today. I can sort of see uh, most of you. All right, here we go. Let me introduce myself. Uh, I'm Dr. Michelle Kim, and I'm a professor. Thank you. I'm a professor in the Department of uh, Engineering. I am a biomedical engineer by training, and I'm married to somebody that you might know, which is Dr. Ted Song. We have been part of the JVU community for a little over a decade, and I've had the privilege of joining as faculty in the last couple of years. Within the last decade here in Salem Springs, Arkansas, God has gifted us with three beautiful daughters. Um, and he has given us many good friendships that has helped our family grow, grow in faith. And many of them are here today. Many times I've sat in these very rows in the cathedral worshiping with you and receiving the word of God preached by great mentors and teachers I respect. It is a true privilege for me to be here today. Um, let me begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your great and holy name. Thank you for the privilege of being able to gather together in your name before your word. Thank you for giving me a voice to speak. Holy Spirit, please come among us, speak through me, and work through those who are gathered here today so that we may see Jesus Christ, that we may encounter Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by reading the word of scripture for today, which comes from the book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, 
you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. We have been on a journey together through the book of John this semester and having seen Jesus as the light revealing darkness and enlightening us and the word become flesh. Jesus indeed has come to us. He has come to you. He stands before our very eyes today through his word. Just as Jesus told the woman at the well, I who speak to you and he, let's encounter him today. Let's see Jesus and hear him. We find ourselves observing this remarkable situation in which Jesus, getting close to the days of his betrayal, his death, and his resurrection, washes the feet of the disciples. In this passage, I'm a teacher, and I can't help but see Jesus as a good teacher with a purpose of loving his disciples to the end, as he says in verse 1. That was the purpose of this night of celebrating the Passover, to love. It all begins with this act of feet washing and is followed by a series of promises and prayer in the coming chapters. So how is Jesus expressing his love here today? Let me begin with a little bit of background to help understand the passage. Okay. Feet washing was an important necessity during these times, as, as we can imagine. People wore sandals or maybe didn't wear shoes through dusty and muddy roads. So before every house, there was a water pot so that you could get your feet clean before entering the house. This was a task that was reserved for the lowliest servants. It just didn't require much of a skill, but it was necessary. Um, so it was reserved for the lowliest people. And Jesus and the disciples were here for a very special meal. The meal was likely to last a long time. And people usually reclined instead of sitting in a chair. This meant that someone's feet could literally be right next to your head. So, you know, I get it. You know, feet washing was very necessary. And if someone's feet were not clean, I think it is very likely that it would have been noticeable. Now, my husband and I come from a South Korean culture, and uh, we typically take our shoes off at the door or at the garage. And when we have guests over in our house, uh, we, we typically ask them to take their shoes off, although it's fine nowadays, and you know, uh, we just let them do whatever they wish to do. And because I've realized that one can argue which is cleaner, like leaving your dirty shoes at the door or keeping your dirty feet in your shoes. You know, I don't know. But anyways, I've learned over the years that some JVU students, like over uh, years ago, that have come to our house, uh, they've later told me that uh, when they came to our house, they used to make sure that they had the nicest socks on that day, or they made sure that like their pedicures were kept really neat and tidy. And I had no idea that this was going on. But anyways, but I know that um, some were very conscious of the cleanliness of their feet uh, when they came to our house, even though we didn't like recline, you know, when we dined and we never noticed anything, I promise. Apparently on this day, Jesus noticed during supper, okay, note that supper has already started, that there were dirty feet. It's likely that he was not the only one who noticed that. I'm not sure why, you know, maybe being an exclusive meal, there was nobody else around to wash the feet. Anyways, um, 
This would have meant that either somebody among them would have offered to do the task or people should have washed their own feet. But anyways, for some reason, the dis disciples apparently chose not to wash their feet. One clue that we have is looking at Luke's chapter 22, which portrays this Passover meal as well. Luke chapter 22, verse 24 says, and there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be greatest. Hmm, so this was going on. It seems that sometime during this meal, there was this dispute about who was the greatest. And considering the fact that this was filling the minds of the disciples, I wonder if out of that pride, they were just waiting for somebody to get up and do the task or and, and show their submission. Okay. I imagine this to be like a stubborn sibling, you know, who's waiting until the last minute to clean up a big mess because it's not their fault and it's their sister's fault or their brother's fault for creating the mess. So I'm not going to do the job because it's their job. Anyways, uh, in this situation, Jesus, being the great teacher he is, catches a teachable moment. What in the world are they doing when Jesus is about to love them with the ultimate humility of death on the cross? Rather than rebuking them, Jesus loves them by showing them an action, by getting up, laying aside his garments, taking a towel and girding himself, and likely kneeling down and washing their feet. This is maybe when it just struck Peter. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Why is he doing this? Jesus' physical action here and the visual memory that he is creating, as well as his words, is a heartfelt reminder to the disciples and to us here today of his love. Through this act, which is reflective of Jesus' incarnation and ultimate sacrifice on the cross, Jesus reminds us three things. Okay, first, he reminds us that he washed away our sins completely. And two, he enables us to continuously live in his light. And three, he enables us to serve one another in humility. Note that Jesus didn't go straight into rebuking the disciples and saying, you should wash each other's feet. He reminds them of what is to come, his path to the cross. When, G when Peter asked Jesus, Lord, do you wash my feet? Verse 7, Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. So, I mean, this verse, I think, tells me that this was planned, and this had a lot more meaning than just washing dirty feet. Verse 8, Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. In verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and head. And Jesus says, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Here, Jesus distinguishes bathing from washing feet. That someone who is bathed needs to only wash his feet, but is completely clean. Jesus' act of washing had the meaning of forgiveness and cleansing of sins and ultimately pointed to his death on the cross. Here, I would like to ask you a question. Have you been washed? Have you been bathed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Whatever your answer is, see Jesus today, quietly getting up, setting his garments aside, grabbing a towel and kneeling and washing your feet. 
catching you right at the moment when your pride was at its highest. See him. He is showing you that he has washed away your sins completely. I grew up as a girl knowing God, a good girl. I was a good girl in school, at church, and at home. Never really said a bad word or got involved in you know, bad things. I was a teacher's pet who always did the right thing and said the right words. Being a good girl, I learned my lessons at church, and I knew I was a sinner. I repented on a regular basis. But I was only scratching the surface of a truth that was never revealed deep inside of me. I was not washed by the blood of Jesus because I didn't know of myself as a sinner that deserved death for my total depravity. I compared myself to others and thought I wasn't that bad. And I blamed the environment and others for causing me to sin. Sin of pride and self-righteousness blinded me from seeing my desperate need for a savior and prevented me from giving my life to Jesus and having a right relationship with him. Are some of you in that situation? You have washed your feet, but have always wondered why the Bible says we have a sinful nature. Have you thought, yeah, I'm a sinner, but do I really deserve death and eternal punishment? Have you thought, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm just one of many. You know, I'm not as bad as the other one. At least I deserve less of a punishment than the other one. Have you tried your best to live up to God's holy standards, and, but never have turned to God and said, Lord, I can't do this. You must do this. When I came before the living word of God, which is Jesus, who is here with us today, this was revealed. If you're one of these people, I'd like to tell you that Jesus is before your eyes today in his very words, revealing himself and revealing yourself in his light, catching your attention right at that moment. Don't ignore him. Don't put it off to a later day. There may not be another day. Just let him do that. Let him wash your feet and be yourself. Ask for his blood to cleanse you from the inside out. Remember Jesus out of his grace and mercy. He likely washed the feet of all the disciples, including Judas. The second thing that Jesus reminds us is that we need to continuously wash our feet our sins. And he enables us to do so by showing us an example. When I started to receive the gospel by faith, it was exciting. I wanted to grow in Christ. It was also discouraging at the same time. As a passionate young Christian, I rejoice in the truth that Jesus has cleansed me as white as snow and has accomplished something in me that I can never achieve myself. I declared myself as clean and holy by faith. However, the more I came to know Christ and the more I tried to follow him, the more I realized I needed continual cleansing. I still had so much in my personality that needed to be changed. My heart for my career goals were wrongly placed in the world, and my hopes uh, for relationships were not God-centered. I realized that growing in faith was growing in humility before God. Jesus says, you are completely clean, yet you need to only wash your feet. And he even says, if not, you have no part in me. Yeah, this is a strong words. That sounds a lot like an irony, a contradiction. Why does someone completely clean still need to wash their feet and only their feet? We know that those that have received the gift of salvation by faith, not by works, are declared holy, but we do remain in our sinful body till the end of our days on this earth. We're also living in this broken world in which we pick up the dirt and the mud. Yet, 
Despite our sinfulness, despite the brokenness in this world, God still calls us to go out into the world and pick up that dirt with our sinful bodies to still live for his glory. I've come to thank God for the faults and sins I keep seeing in me or that he reveals in me. I've come to thank God for the dirt and mud that I pick up that cause grief, that cause sorrow, that cause pain to me and to those around me. Because if not for that, God would not get the glory and I would steal his glory. God wants to continuously cleanse you and he wants to change your life as a whole. And the way to go about doing that is by letting him wash your feet, by continuously coming to him. We saw the same idea in John chapter 3, verse 21. But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Continuously practice the truth by coming to the light. Why? So that our deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. To me, the most amazing secret is that what enables us and what empowers us to do this is to see his example. See him and he will give you faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know that you are to continuously wash your feet but are so tired or in despair or just unmotivated? See Jesus. See his example. Lastly, Jesus reminds us and enables us to serve one another in humility. Verse 13 and 14, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Let's recall what's going on here. The disciples were having a dispute about who was the greatest among them. With a stubborn heart, they were waiting for somebody to get up and wash. They went ahead and started eating while being conscious that there were dirty feet around them. Jesus' action was a striking blow at them. Jesus, the word of God, the word become flesh, being living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, pierced into their hearts and revealed their intentions. However, he did that in his own way, full of grace and truth. When we see Jesus, we see his supremacy, his holiness being displayed through his humility. Philippians chapter 5, verse 5 through 8 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the creator of the universe, who was there in the beginning, who created everything out of nothing. This is the holy God before whom the Israelites trembled. This is the God who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. This is the just and holy God in whose presence no one can stand. How can we talk about greatness before him? How can we talk about who is to serve and to watch? This feet washing was only a foreshadow of the greatest act of humility, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world at the most humiliating, vulnerable place, the cross. As we come before the Lord, God reveals to us our pride. He rebukes us gently, yet gracefully and strongly 
by showing us an example. Service to others in humility is easy to be said, but really hard to be done. We can fall into complacency and laziness. We can also fall into self-righteousness and pride. How do we avoid that? Or what do we do if I find ourselves in that? See Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is kneeling before you and washing your feet today. Fix your eyes on Christ while serving others. Some of you may have been part of or observed a feet washing ceremony. Sometimes like on mission trips or like summer camps, uh, church retreats, uh, we sometimes do this. I've had the privilege of being part of one and these all end up being very special, memorable moments. I was on a short-term mission trip uh, with my church in Texas. It was a very simple act and I already knew what was gonna happen. But I was taken by surprise at how surprised I was. I saw um, the image of my pastor getting up, taking a towel, kneeling before one of the members of our church and praying over and washing his feet. That image was very shocking to me. I grew up in Korean churches and Korean American churches in which like that high power distance uh, culture of the Korean culture influenced a lot of how I saw God and how I saw um, spiritual authorities like the pastor. And the image of someone in authority kneeling down and washing feet was very shocking to me and it still remains as a very strong visual memory. Although feet washing ceremonies are great, Jesus did not show us this example just to give us a nice ceremony that we can repeat. He is ultimately pointing us to his death and resurrection. He is leading us to faith in him. How much more shocking should be the image of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, kneeling down before us and washing our feet right at that moment when our pride is at its highest? I hope today you're able to see that. And let me leave you with these three questions. First, have you been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ? And two, do you let Jesus wash your feet and continuously live in the light? And three, do you fix your eyes and fix your eyes on Jesus and serve one another in humility? Before we wrap up and respond in praise, I'd like to ask you guys to close your eyes for a moment and visualize this scene. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, before whom every knee shall bow and tremble, kneeling before you and washing your feet. Encounter him through these words. How will you respond to him? Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'd love it if you'd leave us a review.